Welcome to a huge episode of 12 Rows Back. We are eight rounds in, more than a third of the way through. Uh, we're starting to find out a few things about a few different teams, and I'm ever so excited to get into a bit of footy talk with my great mate Tom. How are you today? Yeah, good. Uh, great round of footy. As we say every week, we learn a heap more, learnt plenty. A few teams have straightened up after uh, some dodgy starts and a few teams just uh, hanging on the edge of that eight, hoping to jump back in with a top eight team slipping, but the, it's not looking that way either. So look, every round it brings more and more. I'm loving it too. We've got a huge episode coming up about university grades, rapid fire questions. We've got a mailbag in this week. Uh Tom, you want to talk about North and, and the process, the old Philadelphia saying, trust the process. And we've exactly. got some feedback on Instagram. Uh, I'll put a few polls up about seven-year contracts for certain players, and we've got some interesting results. So I'm keen to dive into all of that. Yeah, looking forward uh, to that. Before we jump into some of that, off the top, uh, it's been done to death, but Eddie fired a real shot at Port Adelaide, who... Uh, after winning the showdown quite handsomely, changed into their prison bar Guernsey or their wharf Guernsey uh, to sing the song. And Eddie Maguire fired back and actually effectively said Koshy had a big nose and he was sticking it right in the <laughs> AFL's business. Uh, did you, I don't want to go on to it too long because I think Port have just done it to death, but are they flirting with trouble here, the power? Yeah, look, I think that, yeah, look, they're pushing the line. I guess it's sort of AFL come at us, which which I don't actually mind. I know, look, it shows just how passionate they are. I guess the question on it was, you know, are the players in, as invested as Koshy and those externally? Well, clearly they are if they're happy to don the jumpers. The way I saw the coverage, you know, maybe I missed a scene, but it, it did look like we didn't really see them properly come out, and then they sort of came out with the jumpers on. It was a bit of a, uh, you know, behind the uh, the sheets changeover, and, and they were in the new gear. Where did that come from sort of stuff? So, um, look, I didn't mind it. If you're going to commit to this jumper, you, you want to make statements, and they made a statement. So, look, I'll back them in. I mean, I think now they've sort of made a fair point and it might be time just, just to get on with it for a bit. It's still going to bubble around, but it, it's starting to dominate Port Adelaide's every week. So they're happy with where it is now and happy to give it a little rest. What do you reckon, mate? Yeah, they need to get back to basics and start playing footy. And and doesn't matter what jump you're in, you the aim is to win finals, preliminary finals, grand finals. Uh, one interesting thing I, I noticed during the week is uh, Collingwood had no objections to St Kilda lifting the Premiership Cup in the Collingwood colours all those years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks for bringing that one up, old uh, Daryl Baldock up there. Um, yeah, that's a crisp one. Um, but, uh, yeah, they didn't care then, did they? And, yeah, I mean, it is funny if you do go back in the books. I'm pretty right, sure... Port Adelaide had a light blue and white jumper, not different to uh, your Argentinian strip, but you're not up that, in arms eh? as ruse, are you? I believe they had a pink strip in the early 1900s. Yeah, um, it was a few different... It wasn't black and white, though. But anyway, thanks for no, bringing up the 66, um, Granny. Any chance to bring up our flags, I'll take. Yeah. No, uh, look, you didn't really have to make comment on that. It was a pretty juvenile attempt at some humour, but I know a few people got a little bit of a laugh out of it. Uh Tribunal news, the old match review lottery officer, sorry. Uh, he Well, Scotty Lysette got sent straight to the tribunal for a dangerous tackle, and it was it was dangerous. Uh, he got four weeks. 
I think that's about right, given just how look he should have known what he was doing, and clearly there was no duty, no care given to the tackling player. Um, before we talk about that, why did why couldn't Michael Christian just give him a penalty? Yeah, you're asking me. I I know, mate. I'm fully with you on that. I think it's sort of we knew what the incident was Saturday night. They could have just told us on Sunday. Well, Chris Chris O could have told us on Sunday, and we could move on. Like it, it has dragged it out. Um, I guess it, it's the AFL's way of saying this is a really serious incident. If it goes to the tribunal and it skipped everything, it's a real serious one. So, don't know if it's it's media hype or they're just following a really badly put together process. But yeah, we're we're sort of the victims of that, aren't we? I can't make any sense of why he can't. And he, the, like the reasoning might be he can't grade it on the table. It was too high, severe impact and all this other stuff. But I thought the whole point of the match review officer was to stop having every one of these incidents go to the tribunal and have an outcome there, which ends up being on the Tuesday or the, or the Wednesday. This is this was clear cut. Port weren't in there trying to argue their way out of it. They were said, nah. look, the argument was, look, what you need to do is take out... I think they were saying take out the size of Lysette versus the size of the Adelaide player. And sorry, the name escapes me, but I'm not really uh, familiar McHenry, with the Crows list. Yeah, you know, McHenry, he's, he's a new young gun coming through. So they were arguing take the size out of it and it should be three weeks. And the um, prosecutors, I guess you would say, they were arguing for four, ended up being four, and I think it, everyone just takes that and goes home. If Chris O just said four on Saturday, Sunday, everyone would have gone. Yep, would have no worries, no too. challenge. I'm shocked to hear that the size was taken out of it. That that's probably what gave it its severity. Really, when you get a big ruckman swinging a little, you know, second or third year player. I mean that that to me is you know I guess you do want to be intimidating and, and use that size, but you know, pick on someone your own size. I think might be the expression there. So. Yeah, well, oh, I can't believe that that's they tried to throw that out. That's probably a key part of this incident. Yeah, no, so it, it was key, and I believe it was. So the prosecution was saying because of his size, it made the impact worse, and therefore the penalty should be worse. And Port's defence was like, "Look at the action. It doesn't matter whether he was tall or small. You just shouldn't be doing that, and it should be three weeks." And they actually appealed to the tr- the players on the tribunal. So you had uh, Nita, David Neitz, big buckets low, and oh, I can't remember the third one. He was another key forward. Um, yeah, so there's some size on the, on the panel. Try to take real advantage of that and just say, hey, boys, if you pl- if you were playing and you were getting penalised for your size, that's, that's not really fair. You should be penalised for the action. Uh, but uh, Wayne Henwood, who I'm not overly familiar with, um, here's the quote, you should not punish him for being Goliath. And I, I agree to some point, but if you're doing that to smaller players, I think you just have to cop it. <laughs> and that's, I think, effectively yeah. what's happened. Um, you go in, you mount a defense to not not to get out of it, not to say it shouldn't have been, it, it, were, it was okay or anything like that. You just try and minimize the impact for your player and then move on. Uh, but I think four weeks was about right. But yeah, look, I'm with you on that. I'm I'm happy with four. I, the, sl- the sling tackle is one of the worst worst ones for me. I I just don't like seeing them. I, look, maybe I'm desensitised to the head high bumps. They're also bad for the concussion. But 
a bloke pinned, unawares, getting slung around. It, it's pretty. It's a pretty nasty one. So I think four was fair. When I saw it, I was like, "That's four. Four at least." Yeah, yeah. What where it gets tricky is when you have a smaller player trying to take down a bigger player, and all they have is to try and throw them to the ground, and it can be real dangerous. Uh, when it's a bigger player holding a smaller player, they should know hold them up, yeah, like get them off balance, but don't drive them in. And he really ran at home and didn't realise what he'd done because he wouldn't get off the off the poor bloke who was concussed. Did you yeah, see the um the Mumford and Zach Merritt incident that got highlighted last night? No, uh, run me through that one. So Merritt's gone down to get the ball and I think he's lying effectively lying flat on his stomach. Mummy's running in, an Essendon player pushes Mummy. Mummy being the uh, graceful swan or ex swan, <laughs> just falls two knees in the middle of Merritt's back. Jeez, that that's a classic sort of you know eighties nineties sort of move. I think we'd taken that out of the game. Mumford does play a bit old school, if you want to call it that. But well, yeah, no case to answer. Nothing came of it. Um, I think the argument was you got pushed by the Essendon player, so it couldn't be fully controlled. I got to tell you, right? We were literally discussing this this time last week about pushing players into incidents. So yeah, oh, it's a very Richmond thing to do. But um, Mumford has a history of belting and players and bumping them and tackling hard. Remember that Mitch Duncan tackle? Yeah, he... Absolutely cleaned him up. Mummified him, I think they called it. That was a brilliant bit of uh, well, commentary. But yeah, he he, he stitched see, him up there. And he slung, he's done a sling tackle as well to uh, Gary Ablett. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was a swan. He, he got yep. him one day at the cattery. Yeah, so you say that, you know, he mummified him and it was made a bit of a big deal. Mumford's running around to hurt players and that's part of his leadership. Or, yeah, you know, that's yeah, that is, isn't it? Yeah, I think they should be throwing the book at him anytime he remotely goes close to just hurting someone for the sake of hurting them. Well, I was going to say that he, he's, I know he's copped it for a few of the incidents we've mentioned, but he has done things in the past and somehow gotten away with a fine or it's been thrown out or, or no yeah. case to answer. Yeah. He's got a great uh, rapport with the tribunal. If you watch him, he'll run around and try and throw his weight around, and to a point, I get it, but. What's happening is, and remember, he's retired once and come back. He's on the he's at the end of his career. He's slowing down. He hasn't got much left. Yeah. What he still does have is a big body. So all he can do right now is throw his body around. And it's only a matter of time before he gets one of those. Like He'll get a star player and knock him out for a few weeks, and then we'll come for him. But the writing's on the wall. He's been doing this for... It's gotten worse as his career's gone because he's lost... Yeah, no, of, I'm, not pay. Look, he's slowed down and he's not able to do all the things he used to. So, I actually think that's more of a danger for the game than some of these little strikes and that on and off the ball where they're fining and suspending and all that sort of well, stuff. Well, I mean, he he keeps doing it and keeps getting away with it, so he's going to keep doing it. I think Mummy has the feel that it, you know, if the Giants are out of finals contention and he's staring at retirement, he might just whack someone in round eighteen and call it a day. Like I've got that vibe from him. I reckon, like the old yeah, sort of Alistair Lynch model. He's loose, a big mummy. Absolutely. So. You wanted to get into the poll next, Seb. So we we uh, went on Instagram a little bit uh, heavier for our uh, listeners out there this weekend just for a bit more uh, interaction given uh, I was at the Friday football. We didn't get to do our halftime show. So we got to you through Instagram. Lots of polls asking you what you thought. Lots of great questions. And, and you did a little special on uh, the seven-year contracts given they're the uh, hot topic at the moment. Yeah, so I thought in honour of the big... 
deal, the uh, Godfather deal to the Christian Petrarca. I was going to call him the track man, but that's not very specific, is it? Uh, <laughs> I just picked a few random players. You'll, some will say random, some will say there was some bias in here as to who I picked, but anyway. Uh, and would you give them a seven-year deal? So, uh, have you seen the results? Yeah, no, I voted myself, so I, I am a participant in these All polls. Right. I'm going to get you to re-vote on the podcast for those listening at home. Jeremy Cameron. Yep, give him seven. Yeah, 45% yes, 55% no. Bontem Pally. Line ball for Jezza. Seven, yep, 100%. Yep, 86% yes. Sorry, I shouldn't say 100%. uh, Yeah, okay. Uh, Oh, that's the landslide. Just for the record, uh, it's seven years, a million dollars a year. So seven years, seven. Yep. Darcy Moore. Yes. He's 50-50. He was, yeah, look, I'm 50-50 on that one. I, I I could go either way. I said yes just on instinct, but... Yeah, um, yep. time to get off the that's fence. That's a tight one. Andrew Brayshaw. <laughs> I gave him seven. I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, 48-52, so another line ball. Zach Merritt, big talk about Zachy. Uh, no for Zach. 36% yes, 64% no. And I can see who says yes, Bombers fans. So, you know, <laughs> I can see where the bias creeps in. Sam Walsh. Yeah, seven, lock it up. That That's a done deal. Do you know 18% of people said no to Sam Walsh? Jeez, we won't I'd name him shame, but uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I, said, I, I went on record last week. I'd give him a 10-year, 15-year. Yeah, year that's right, same. Uh, Oscar Allen. You give him seven. He's our boy, for sure. 41% yes, 59% no. Maybe it was Maybe a photo I had of him. Hair just and sort of flowing everywhere. Victorian bias, I reckon, coming through there. Watch a couple of Eagles games. He is a star. Lockie Neal? Oh, probably at this point in his career, I'd say no. Yeah, he's 50-50, exactly. Harry Mackay? Yeah, say I give him seven. 43% Risk. yes, 57% Risky, it's got no. its risks, but uh, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. And Noah Anderson. Yeah, I like this one, little little sneaky one, and good to get the Suns in, in there. I, look, I give him seven, particularly, I mean, given it's the Suns, but uh, he, he is underrated in uh, in AFL circles, given Matty Rowell's form, but yeah, he, he's a seven for me. Yeah, so he was 68% yes, 32% no. Uh it was just interesting. There were, and obviously we couldn't tell whether people were not wanting to do the seven years or whether it was too much money or what. But just from a straight yes or no point of view, people were very torn. Um, and I tend to, I think most of them I would have lent to yes. No, I was going to say just my like thinking for this was you want blokes that are either going to yeah that they, they can win a game off their own boot or that they can be consistent over the seven years. So. I guess I, I was pretty generous. I said a fair few yeses there, but most of those players have got youth on their side as well, but they are game changers or potentially consistent performers year on, year out. So um, that that was in my thinking. Uh, maybe others, yes, saw the money, saw the length, got got a little bit scared with the... I mean, it, it's they're huge deals. Seven, it's a long time in footy. Well, seven years ago, what, 2014, the Hawks were flying. Have a look at them now. So... You know the, the circle turns. It's it's an interesting one though. I loved hearing uh, the thoughts of the fans when that one bobbed up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so it got me thinking a little bit more, Tom. So 
we've got these big godfather deals and, and these players certainly deserve it. Uh, I think most of them will be given a s- close to a similar deal from their club. Like I think Oscar Allen, some of them might take little, I guess they're called in the NBA hometown discounts. We can't oh, yeah. really have them in this sport because half the teams are in Victoria. But um, I suspect Zach Merritt will stay for somewhere around 800. I think Oscar Allen will be somewhere around 800. Uh, Mackay will be, I think, somewhere around that figure because Carlton will try and get him and Cripps in. They're both out of contract at the end of this year. I didn't throw Cripps in because he's a real contentious one and um, I don't know if I'd do the seven years for him given just where his body's at. Yeah, uh, that, but, that's probably fair. But, I mean, he, he's at his best he would be. So, you, yeah, you're weighing that up. Yeah, yeah. The question is what's his best now over the next seven years. Uh, but it really got me thinking. Yeah. So, my club has been rumoured to offer a number of these godfather deals. Uh, Josh Kelly, who I think we'll be doing again this year. Dusty Martin. Uh, I think we were rumoured to do something similar to Jordan Dugowie, and thank you to Jordan's manager for sorting that one out. Uh, <laughs> all of those would have been awful deals for my football club at the time. And I think where teams are getting caught up in trying to come with these big offers, you've got to be offering the right player the money at the right time. So... Cats bringing in Dangerfield is a great example of perfect timing because they were right in that. that they'd actually sort of hovered from sort of the bottom half of the top four to the bottom half of the top eight and yep. sort of not quite been good enough to get past it. And since they've brought Danger in, it's I think it's been grand final prelim. prelim. Oh, sorry, I think yeah, they might have got... The- Melbourne knocked them out in the semi, I think, with Danger. Yeah, 20, around, 2018, but, but otherwise it, it's... yeah. Yeah, prelims. It's real on. consistent high end results, and you can't. He's won a Brownlow. You can't say it wasn't worth it. But for example, if North had paid him that to come play at North, like the results don't justify the the amount you spend. So where it's come, become really interesting, Carlton have paid Sard. What's he on eight hundred? Yeah, I believe he's, he's around that figure. Yeah, so Zach Williams is nine hundred. And they were outside of the eight when they offered the deals and made the deal. They're not playing well. But if they were playing well, they're still only bottom half of the eight. So when will you get the next level of improvement to go from bottom half of the eight to top four and, and playing in prelims? And and how are you going to factor that in? Because if you start getting that improvement from players like Mackay, Walsh, you have to pay them too. And suddenly you're going to start losing players. So... I think that's going to end up being a big misstep when you look at how Essendon replaced Saad with Hind. And yeah, on the cheap, for yeah, with Hind, like haven't they? Essendon are looking like geniuses at the moment. Uh, and I'd turn the heat on your club, Tom, for obviously... Yeah, we, we've got one, a... Brad Hill's on 900. Hanabry's on 800. Yeah, I was going to say Henders as well, yeah. You can, when's Jack Steele up? I'd like to get a piece of that. Uh, I believe he re-signed recently, so he he might be Whoa. off the table. But uh, yeah, I, I know what oh, you mean Marshall. though. And look, yeah, look, he, yeah, he, he'd be up there too. I guess on our books. Um, I mean, I love your point there, given that a lot of the names you've mentioned, and we're sort of throwing out eight hundred as a little round figure, but it's just overs really for gut feel right now. You are paying overs as well as the length, so they're just these contracts are full of risk. You want to make sure, yeah, you mentioned Danger. He is worth every cent and worth the length. I, I just, yeah, I'd be toey if I was clubs here at just following this as a trend. It, it really 
takes a a good club with good decision making to get this right. So yeah, it's not for it's everyone. It's a tough one. Like hindsight is makes this a lot easier sitting in this chair. But where so if you hadn't signed let, let's just say you didn't have Hanabry, I still think you're playing finals last year. He didn't have a great impact. And Hill didn't have a great year last year. So let's just yeah, say after that year last year you suddenly had one and a half mil in your cap. Think about yeah, what and you then, could do with that. Correct, you've just, yeah. You've just won a final, lost in a semi to the eventual premiers, and now you can find an elite A-grader, like one of those players we mentioned. I don't know. Yeah, no. Like, it's hard to pry them out, but you need the space, and then suddenly that's what elevates you to the top four. And that's and where... That's, that's the that's, dangle yeah. of the carrot that they need too, because those kind of players will only come if there's finals and there's deep finals runs in the offing as well. You don't often see them go go south uh, of the bottom eight. So, yeah, I mean, that would have been ideal. I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, geez, that'd be nice to have 1.5 and just coming off the finals. We could have done with that this year. But it's, yeah, it's, it's easy it's to timing. say, so I'm not yeah. sort of potting list management no, 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 I, directly. I get you there. Um, and I know the Brad Hill point's been talked to death. But I guess I really am... I'm, I'm probably aiming this more at Carlton because that is some really poor recruiting. Because, like, Zach Williams is still saying, oh, I need to get time, I need to get used to it, I need to work out how to play in the midfield. And it's like, well, let's just call a spade a spade. You're a halfback flanker. You're really good at it, but that's where you've got to go. And now you're paying 900 for a halfback flanker. And you've got Saad. And you've got Doherty. And someone's actually got to play on someone soon or eventually. Like, Weedering can't cover everyone. Kept Norton... Touchless. Yeah, no, played well. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and I just think, uh, look, they don't seem to be trending that well anyway. But these contracts are going to hamper them. They're paying one hundred five percent of the cap this year. Like, you know, I feel for the Carlton fans because I just think they're still treading water. Yeah, I mean, their their strategy to me is that they just they'll bring quality in or what they perceive as quality in at at the cost of team balance. So if they could get eight amazing halfback flankers, they do it and they just work it out. Is their logic? I I feel so. You know, could that? Yeah, we we. I mean, we're talking funds and and what ifs. But I mean, yeah, I I agree with you. I mean. Could they have invested a little smarter in the halfback, and maybe they could have given Cripps some some help in the midfield, or you know, given given Harry a partner, given Charlie Kerno is not uh, in at the moment. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's they're, they're all the hindsight decisions, aren't they? But it, it's just an awesome topic, the seven-year contract, because yeah, it's just at that length where it's it's a real-time investment, and yeah, you're not you're not splashing small amounts of cash for those ones either. So I love the poll, mate. That was a great initiative. Oh, plenty more. So. Do follow us on Instagram if you're not already, and please interact. Um, I've got one lined up for one of our early interactors uh, when the time's right. Uh, now, I didn't add this, full disclosure, I didn't add this to the run sheet, but uh, we've got a list here, North and the Process. So I feel like this is a question directed my way, Tom. Uh, it, hit me. it is, yeah, it is for you. So, yeah, you mentioned before the the process, but it, it uh, and Philadelphia 76ers, um, but... This is from AFL terms, so I'm putting aside. I want just before I give you the question, I'm just putting this aside. So obviously, you're a young team and you want to build to a point where you're playing a game style that holds up in finals. And there's certain steps you've got to do, things you've got to try. Yet yeah, you've got to put those building blocks in place, and then you can make your run. So put put all that to the side. But yeah, last week we saw your coach Noble come out 
And he, he wasn't saying, look, we're really trying for a win this week. He's saying, look, I'd prefer, you know, we get our, you know, the process right and we and we play the way we want to play and sort of downgraded the need to win. And then watching your game, I just felt that that seeped into the group. And I just wanted your thoughts on whether he had the wrong take there, delivered the wrong message. You're a team that has won, what, one of your last 23 a win would do great for this team. I know you've got to get the processes right, but winning would help a young group. I just want your thoughts on North and the process. So that's why I threw it in. Uh, well, there's no doubt we need to win a game and get some belief through the group. Uh, look, from my point of view, I don't have an issue with it, but I I like to so believe... You, so you're the... happy to accept a loss? No, I don't week. accept like... the loss. But I don't have an issue with the way they're going about it. As in they're on field form. Yeah. No. Well, look. Like, there's, there's a few ways you can break it down. Let's go the obvious way and look at, at the on-field form. And let's just call a spade a spade. So, do you want me to run through who we've played first or our injury list? Let's go. <laughs> no, nah, don't give played. me the injury list. Skip the injury injury well, list. But tell me who you've We've played. lost to Port Adelaide. They're going okay. We've lost to Gold Coast, who are bottom half. We lost to the Dogs, who are going okay. We've lost to Adelaide, who at the time were going okay. We've lost to Geelong, Premiership favourites. We've lost to Frio over there, toughest road trip in football. We've lost to Melbourne, who are going pretty well. And look, we lost to Collingwood, who are going terribly, but we played yeah, them so, okay. So, like, of those so games, mean, yeah. how many did you really think we were going to win? One? Well, probably this week. So, that that that's maybe what I'm getting at, is that, yeah, I mean, you, you haven't been in bad form. Like, if you look at some of the teams, you know, in and around you, you're playing way better footy. I mean, you did push Melbourne, I'll, gi- I'll give you that. I mean, you in front of three-quarter time against the Crows. I mean, there's some good good patches and good efforts being put together. But I, I just felt, yeah, this was your chance to just come out and say, we want to win, winning's important. It's this week, you know, Collingwood, you don't like Collingwood. Um, yeah, they, they were sort of struggling. And then it, I, I just mentioned that this process because I know, and I might be going a little hard on your sauce, but this is for the listeners. But no, look... You've mentioned previously Melbourne and Carlton as an example of two teams that have sort of accepted sort of the staying down low, maybe even tanking to get themselves right. And they've taken so long to get back up, whereas I know you want your boys to jump back up quickly. So just from that angle, I guess, you know, winning, shouldn't it be on the table to avoid sort of pushing back into that style of thinking? Uh, that is a genuine concern of mine, that if we continue this up for too long this year, and this will be a lean year, but there's no reason... We, we need to try and make this year the only lean year and, and not necessarily play finals next year, although I believe it's possible, but have a year where you're winning six, seven, eight, nine games in that region. Uh, look, we've played some good teams as I listed. We've currently, I think we've only got 27 available to pick from for a 23-man side this week. And we've got two vice-captains out. Aiden Core recruit out. Jed Anderson inside mid out. Leading goal kicker Stevenson out. Uh, Polex out. Boner's out, who's been doing really well down back. Like Tarrant, one of the vice-captain. 
there's a lot to overcome and when you're a young side it's just all been too much for them uh i am concerned i'm concerned with the general i don't think there's acceptance within the club for the loss but I think people jumped on what David Noble said in his press conference, and yeah, look, I couldn't, I, I'm I couldn't give two hoots that. about once, what once a coach I saw it, I was says. Like, what are you? Yeah, I couldn't give two hoots what a coach says in a press conference because I just think they're going to shield or deflect or lie, or if they do turn up the heat, it's for a reason. So if if like Adam Simpson turned up the heat on Geelong on West Coast after their loss in Geelong, and it was the first time he's ever done it publicly to the players, that's how bad a loss it was. And it wasn't, it wasn't to be honest and tell the fans the truth. It was to send fire a rocket up his playing group. So um, David Noble's just protecting the kids at the moment and not placing the blame on any of them. Like The concern is you haven't got the recruiting right. Well, how can you tell that eight weeks in? So, yeah, yeah that, that's fair. It's too early that, to tell. I mean... Should he come out this week and say we want to win, or should he just back in the the process? I mean, you got the Hawks this week. Well, we're playing a side who's just openly declared they're happy to go for draft picks now. So <laughs> yeah, I know. We're yeah, a so fair chance another... of, of a win. But you know, we play Hawthorne down there, and that's that's going to be tough for our young group. But it's a good test. Gee, I sound like a coach saying that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe you can uh, little. Uh, Little pep talk to Noble. Look, yeah, I have look. I have jumped all over that because I guess yeah, just, just you don't want to head down that you know that route of accepting. Oh, we're going to be down for a few years. I mean, I'm even was even surprised to see the Hawks say that. It was very uh, unhawthorn like, particularly from Kennett, who sort of is always you know not accepted failure, and now he's happy to take two years back. So, well, look, I think it, that the proof was a will message. be that was a message for Alistair Clarkson who has, I think, stupidly defied logic and thought, nah, we'll be able to top up and I'm that good. I'll just yeah. be able to keep us floating. And I think it was a, let's just declare this and that way we take some pressure off him trying to win every week in the sense of let's only play the experienced players and all that. So, um, look, it's a good question, Tom. But Yeah, look, what, I'll give you one. What, to, what, to... what can the club do? Like, I'll throw this back on you now. Yeah. We finally decided to bottom out after... About ten to fifteen years of people telling us to, and we had a rough year last year, but it was a bit of a topsy turvy year. And it was a first year coach last year who's stood down for his own mental health. So make of that what you will, but nothing was going great. And now we've got another first year coach. So this is the third voice in what are we forty odd games? Is the third voice for some of these players. So you got to give that a little bit of time, but. Uh, if we're in a similar position, winless eight games into next year and still doing the same thing, ooh, there'd be a bit of heat on David Noble, let me tell you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, thinking off the top of my head, I mean, and I'm not comparing you to this side as well because they were forming, but you, you look at the Suns and the, the Giants when they were coming through real early. I got the, the vibe from the Suns that they were happy to take the cheap win and just take the four points and... They didn't really, it didn't galvanise them. They didn't go anywhere. Whereas you looked at the Giants under Sheeds, who's a bit more of a thinker of, you know, the game's history. And he was happy just to to cop those big losses because he was playing blokes and they were playing the right way. Now, with the beauty of hindsight, you'd see that the Suns are still struggling and the Giants actually got together and galvanised the group and it really made them those losses. So I take that point fully. Um, Mine only was that, yeah, look, this was... 
your best chance of a win in a long time. Uh, little little bit of an opportunity. I, I don't know. It wouldn't have done anything to the players, but it did just outwardly, and we're not in the four walls, but it did outwardly sort of give them a little bit of a off the hook if they didn't win because it wasn't about winning. So just was concerned about that. Um, well, but I, we, look play, we play 17th again this weekend. So yeah. with that win, Collingwood jumped above Hawthorne. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty keen. I reckon we're close. Uh, should we get a priority pick? Jeez, oh, nah. I don't. I don't think it's that bad. I don't Isn't think we've won one of twenty. What twenty three or something? That's pretty bad. Well, I mean, let's let the rest of the year play out. At, at at this point, I mean, you know, we were talking about priority picks with Adelaide last year, and they got their act together late. So I'll still give you a chance to straighten up. But I mean, if you went zip and twenty two, then there'd be fair concerns. Well. Over yeah, under but, two and a half wins. Yeah, I mean, we'll have, uh, yeah, let's see how that pans out. Because I mean, if we, if we two to three two, wins is probably about where you, you know we would have picked you. But zero wins is a you know that that's a different different thing. Yeah. Now I should but, say I don't think any club should ever get priority picks, but if they're going to hand them out, and given they've been handed out to some other clubs, we'd be fools not to take them. So uh, we'll see what happens there, Tom. But um. Yeah, not loving where we're at, but I think we've got some exciting kids there and, and a lot lot to build on. There's a future. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I did watch the game. I'll cover it uh, as we get into our university grades. But, yeah, definitely some bright sparks in there. Let, let's get into the uh, the university grades uh, and kicking it off back at uh, Friday night. What a result there. Cats v Richmond. You did slip uh, one by me and got an underdog with your tip of the cat. So uh, what would you make of this one? Oh, well, if you go back and listen to our, our the preview pod, our tipping pod, um, I was pretty bullish on the cats, declared them, and they did not let me down. Uh, I'd give them a high distinction that they tore Richmond apart. Um, it was brilliant to watch. Uh, the three-headed monster of Hawkins, Rowan, and uh, Cameron was just beauty was beautiful. Uh, Hawkins was trying to get a few goals at the end, and Rowan kept getting in his way. Uh, but yeah, he had his tail up, didn't he? For Geelong, uh, Richmond. I, look, I give a f- fail. I was tempted to send him the coordinator, um, but they've got a lot of outs. They have got a lot of outs, and it's only going to get worse with uh, tough boys uh, Rioli and Bolton yeah, standing Bolton. up in the club. Uh, so the fail for Richmond, they just, I don't know. I haven't seen them get embarrassed to that level before. Yeah, that that was what shocked me that, you know, and maybe it's just the new world of footy we're in, but it was a 10-goal smashing. It wasn't just like they snuck by five goals, maybe had a run at a certain point of the game. In that second half, it was just an onslaught from, from start to finish. And look, yeah, I, I went along to that game. Shout out to Lynchy for getting me a ticket to that one and, and just watched it. And look, I, I've seen it in the Saints, but in that second half, you know, the Tigers had it in there coming off half back and the energy wasn't there to just go and demand the footy. So they bombed it. And it just was just the white flag was up, which is not something you ever see from the Tigers. And on the other side of it, geez, the Cats had the tails up. I mean, yeah, Shawnee Higgins had no one near him and that's how he loves it, just going and getting his uh, ball. And, you know, Isaac's played the, the wings there at the G plenty of times. And I want to give a little shout-out to the uh, bloke in the long sleeves, Closey, 
Brad Close, he had the game of his life and, and was a bit of a spark for the Cats. So, um, yeah, and then, of course, Cameron went berserk and Tomer and, and Rowan in his 150th. So, yeah, ho- great night for the Cats. Shocked by the Tigers. I'm with you, Seb. High distinction and fail, I reckon, is a fair one. Beautiful. Now, we'll get to... I just want to point out these aren't full game reviews, but we'll... There's a game <laughs> Sorry, up on we'll... the Gold Coast. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. not, that, not that one. I'm ready for this one. Uh, great win for the Saints. Great win. Uh, very proud, I'm sure you are. Uh, I'd give the Saints a pass and the Suns a fail. Uh, I think it was a game the Saints had to win. They got the job done. It wasn't pretty, but you take the points and move on. Yeah, look, that's pretty fair. And uh, yes, I, I can sharpen it up on the Saints reviews. But look, we were staring down the barrel at three-quarter time and and we just keep, keep playing close games against the Suns. So this is the fifth one straight that's been single digits. We have won all of them, which has helped, but we just play close against them. I, I, we just are evenly matched. It's just one of those matchups. So, um, yeah, look, I, I did uh, blurt out on a few of our uh, chats offline that uh, it might be a, a distinction for the Saints. But, look, two teams battling it out to keep in contention with the top eight, and we got the points. So I'll give us a pass uh, and fail the Suns because on their home deck, they're the ones that they need to start winning now. They're... they're trying to progress as a club and they can't be uh, letting this this one slip. They had us and they we we just gutsed it out and the better team won. So, yeah, pass and fail for me there. Yeah, it was definitely a little bit more experience. Just got you over the line. Yeah, uh, Paddy Ryder makes a difference, that's for sure. Always good footballer. He is a good footballer. Uh, used to play for one of these clubs. The Giants just got it done against the Bombers. Uh yeah, so look, I I've got to be honest, given that the, the Suns and Saints game was on, I was more just tracking the scores in this one, but it was a genuine shootout. Yeah, I I saw bits and pieces. I was flicking between both and, yeah, a little bit on on the Saturday Arvo, but did notice GWS kick a few goals and start kicking away, and I go, oh, here it is. Come on, sink the boots in here. And the Bombers just kept clawing their way back and kept fighting, which was actually really impressive from such a young team and what I did see of them they just kept going and going and going uh didn't get the win in the end but I think to to your point earlier about North the Bombers aren't winning much but they're in games till the dying seconds whereas North are just not um and both young sides um Essen probably have slightly more experience across the ground but I'm not comparing the two in that sense I'm just saying it's much better for your development if you're in games the whole way and still losing and they're going to get a nice pick this year versus just flat losing and not being competitive. So I think silver lining for the Bombers, a good loss. Uh, double pass for me, two guest passes. Uh, <laughs> the Giants won. It wasn't pretty. They got the job done. The Bombers competed right in it to the last sec- second. Um, ironically, if the Bombers won, you might give them a distinction, but um, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, brilliant uh, review of that game. I mean, yeah, tracking the score, obviously. Saw, you know, Lankford kick a couple late. Really interested from Bombers fans about where they think he's at. I've had him in my uh, super coach teams in the past, so it followed him, and it's a bit of a roller coaster. He can produce, and he he did look like he was sort of primed for some midfield time now. Sort of seems to be just floating around, maybe wing, half-forward, maybe some mid-time. So... Interested in your thoughts, Bombers fans. I think he's one that can really take them to the next level. But yeah, look, 
two teams, yeah, let let defence go. Maybe that's a worry for the Bombers at the moment. They are conceding some scores, but I'm not going to... Uh, I love high-scoring footy, so I can't pot them too much for that. Giants back in a little bit of form, so they're, they're knocking on the door of the eight, so they just had to get this one done. So, yeah, it passes all round, I reckon. Heading back down to the Roos and Pies. So, we look, we... I, we grilled the ruse, uh, it's fair to be said, but there were some shining lights. I know I, I caught the, well, majority of this game, actually, and good, good to see a few of the ruse boys out there. I, I did have to go to the uh, old AFL app to just polish up on a few. Josh Marnie sort of struck me as one I hadn't sort of seen a whole lot of, and he looks like he's about 50. But um, Looks like he's been around a while, doesn't he? The yeah, player? I thought, who's this seasoned vet out there? But look, uh, the the heats come on um, Aiden Bonner and and look they might have done the the Zach Dawson on him in, in that they put him on the hot forward and and just let him learn. Uh, I didn't actually mind seeing that. I think yeah it, you're talking about learning the things the right way. Well he's going to play on well not the best because to go he's been woefully out of form, but he he got a bit of a, a lesson there and he's going to be better for it. So I, I didn't mind seeing that. Uh, good to see Nick Larkey take a few grabs. I mean, yeah, it ebbed and flowed. The Ruse, you were with them for most of the game. So, yeah, just, I guess I grilled you because you didn't get the win. But the process was good from what I saw. I'm it's still going to fail you, though. I'm oh, still going to fail you. Fail because I expected you to win it. So, that, I mean, it's rare, I guess, in this, you know, this is a rough season for the Ruse. But I did come in with the expectation that, yeah, th- this was winnable. So, yeah, to not, not get the chocolates, um, that that's a fail. And... Yeah, look, I can't give Collingwood a higher mark than a pass. They just had to win this game. They did the right thing. They put Darcy Moore back, and he absolutely saluted. So that's probably the end of that one. And, and to go forward, that might just ease his uh, sort of midfield experiment. So they just straightened up a bit the pies and, and did what they needed to do. Um, Pendlebury up forward, that was another tick. So, look, yeah, um, fail for the ruse, pass for the pies. What did you make of it? Yeah, so this and the Suns St Kilda game were the only two tips I got wrong. Uh, so oh, I did okay, tip the Suns and uh, actually, so yeah, did I, which hurt. Tip North. Um, Collingwood's a pass. They got the job done. They get the win. They'll feel good about themselves for another week, or feel good about themselves after their Guernsey clash issues. Look, uh, they they got it done. They're not a great side, but well, wins a win. Uh, North can go and see the coordinator for mine. They decided to have a lapse in the second quarter, which we keep doing against good sides, and they keep destroying us. Didn't quite destroy us because we got backed within a kick in the third quarter, but then Collingwood kicked away again. As as the saying goes, we used up too many petrol tickets. I haven't heard that one in a while, Tom. Yeah, that's yeah, that. dust that one off. Uh, but... We made the same mistake we've been making so often and it was falling asleep and just getting outworked and outplayed for a whole quarter and they start going at halftime, oh, you know, how much, how much and we got right back into it but we were just never able to, to break the hump and um, I, so this might be a strategic see the coordinator because you go and see the coordinator because next week you got another damn winnable game. So, yeah, that's right. Nice little warning for the boys before we get up next week. Exactly, and then Saturday continued. Real quality clash uh, at the G, the D's versus the Swannies. But they, they came to play the Swannies. I know they uh, named a really strong team, but but look, they, they pushed the D's all the way. And yeah, the question marks were coming up, I guess, on Melbourne, given, yeah, they sort of snuck by the ruse with uh, Fritch kicking six. And then this week he goes missing. But 
yeah, they continue to just get so much out of uh, Luke Jackson. Uh, he, he's just a gem for them. Yeah, Cosy Pickett we already know about. Um, you know, Harrison Petty, he came in, did the Tomlinson job, so they'll like that. Ben Brown clunked a few uh, and, you know, started to s- start working with McDonald. Um, it, yeah, who hasn't dropped off in form, which is probably important for the Ds that uh, he stays in form, given uh, the flexibility we've mentioned. And how good was uh, big Tom Hickey? He he just has changed Sydney as, as a, I guess, centre square and around the ground unit. He was huge. So, uh, look, the Ds, they just had to get the win. I can't fail them for winning. I'll pass them. They did what they needed to do, guts it out and got the point. Sydney, I'd love to give a distinction to, but they didn't win. So um, they're a pass for me. So, yeah, double guess pass for this game, Seb. What do you reckon? Yep, yep. Oh, we've got two double guess passes on for this one. Uh, like, when you're at the top of the ladder, you're going to have these weeks and... The difference between this Melbourne and the old Melbourne is the old Melbourne would have capitulated and lost by five or six goals, and they haven't done that. They were good enough to get the win and sit 8-0. Uh, long fall from grace for Simple Simon when it comes, but I'll be waiting. Don't you worry about that. Uh, Sydney put up a good performance. Couldn't quite get over the line. Uh, buddy goalless. Do they need Buddy kicking a few snags in order to win a few of these games as Swans? Look, it probably would have got them over the line, but... Yeah, I guess, how much do you rate? I mean, Stephen May went to Buddy, so they've taken the best defender. Maybe a few more got off the chain as a result. Not that you want Buddy being a decoy. You're paying him to kick goals, so yeah, look. Don't think it's ever mattered who you send to Buddy. Yeah, true. So look, yeah, the goals are probably what you're after. So look, yeah, but I mean, he's got runs on the board, so I'll let it slide this time. But yeah, if it it became a sort of two or three game goalless thing, you you might start worrying about uh, the Bud. But he'll be all right. Slippery conditions there on Saturday night. He normally loves them. Normally loves them. Uh, let's look at... We had the showdown. The world-famous showdown on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, so we should talk about the actual game because it's a lot of off-field and, you know, incidents, I guess, that we talked about the the Lyset one. But, uh, yeah, they just... I mean, they just got the job done, the power. I'd sort of tip this one in uh, again to plug our uh, tipping podcast geez we're getting a few between us Seb listen to that one uh, viewers that uh, you'll get some money out of that um, they just did what they had to do went up a cog when they had to and it was a it was an eight goal romp so uh, look I'll pass the power they they just did what they had to do um, I, I'm looking at Sam Pepper. he's just come in he, he's still finding his legs there so I think there's a uh, just looking at the team sheet with the power they're they're Bottom four seems to change most weeks, so they're still trying to find that full 22 mix. You do find, uh, I guess, teams at the pointy end of the year, sort of, the, the changes are pretty minimal. So they're, they're at a stage, I guess, where they can play around with it. They did it this week, got the got the points. Uh, the Crows don't have that luxury. They have well and truly hit the wall. And look, I, I've patted him on the back, but I might give him a little clip. Tex is just, just needing a little bit of a breakout game. He's just, just frozen up a dash in the last few weeks and I don't know if it's uh big Riley uh Thilthorpe uh taking some some inside fifty ball but he he's gone cold. So a couple of things for them to work out. Um the power were great, did what they had to. It's a pass for the Crows and uh, sorry, a pass for the power and I'm gonna fail the Crows because you can't be losing a showdown. Yeah, I'm actually gonna give the power a distinction because normally Adelaide come out and throw everything they can in these games. Well both sides do and uh, Port really controlled the whole night. We're just 
sort of flex their muscles a bit. If you think about where Adelaide are at, you know, they are still in the hunt for the eight, but they're sort of, I know their form's dropped off a little bit, but Port really flexed and just showed everything they should for a top, a team that's got top two aspirations. Uh, fail for the Crows, they didn't really show. Oh. I'm considering sending them the coordinator. It was pretty, yeah, yeah. Co- coordinator. That, they're off. That they're, there you go. Poor. That was a poor performance. Come and join us, Adelaide. Uh, yeah, no, you can't have that effort in a showdown and call it acceptable. So we've got to see what, if Manny Nix has got any tricks in his book to uh, sort of get them past that. Absolutely. Look, full disclosure here for the listeners. So obviously uh, Mother's Day, so things happening. Did catch the later two games, but this Hawks-West Coast one... Look, you missed nothing all I knew in from that first it, quarter. Exactly. I, I saw the quarter time score and I'm like, I might just stop checking the score in this one and then basically flicked it on later and, you know, Joey Kennedy's got, uh, Joshy Kennedy's got the, the calf on ice and, and West Coast had the competition. Uh, I mean, the Hawks on ice as well. Um, yeah, doesn't seem too much to report. Apologies to Eagles and West Coast fans. I guess uh, big Jared Brander stepped up in uh, in a bit of a forward roll, kick three, I believe. So he, he was probably a shining light. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that's the the Eagles have just got to take this. A win on the road, a win at the G, it, that's just going to put them in good stead. I mean, yeah, the, the team, like we mentioned Port Adelaide, I guess, having the luxury. West Coast don't. They've got a lot of outs. So to go over and take any sort of win uh, east of, of Western Australia, it, it, you've got to give them something for that. I'm not quite going to go distinction levels, but, um, yeah, it, it's a pass for West Coast. And, yeah, look, I didn't expect Hawthorne to win this one, but... I said it earlier, I'm sick of these sort of gallon or acceptable losses, so I'm not going to cop it anymore. They're a fail for me. Um, how much did you catch this one, Seb, or was this uh, a score no, update? Caught a fair bit of this one. Uh, was a bit shocked West Coast weren't on the board early, but they got things going. And look, the whole game was really played on their terms. I'm actually... I'm, no, I'm going to stick with a pass pass for West Coast. I was considering a distinction, but their opposition was mediocre. Um, it's a fail for the Hawks because, look, they didn't win, but you sort of expected them to just peter out like that. Um, but there was a lack of competitiveness through the game that saw them end up end up where they finished. So uh, we've seen that one pretty much the same, Tom. Uh, 320, Marvel Stadium. Yep. Under the roof shut, lights on. Jason Bennett, he was a fresh... He's breath of fresh air, isn't he? Uh, calling the game <laughs> as he sees it, not trying to make That's friends it. with all the other commentators. Uh, Carlton Dogs. Carlton were 27 points up in the third quarter. I oh, know, we looking at that late in the third and, um, yeah, watching it with the, with the fam and... and including some Carlton family that we've got and, and they were they were up and about and they should have been because, yeah, the, the Blues were just on fire. They could do no wrong. You know, Eddie had the first half of his life. He he, he just turned it on. I mean, yeah, and Big Harry can just chime in with the lazy four. Geez, he keeps getting the job done. But the dogs just stepped into a gear and, and the Bont just said, you know, we're talking seven-year deals. The Bont, just have a, have a watch of this game. Have a watch of most of his games, really. He, he just is unbelievable. So, um, you know, their, their midfield keeps ticking. McRae had his eighth consecutive 30-plus game, so that's one to keep watching. He, he's just a disposal magnet. 
Um, yeah, they're, they're just fine, the dogs. So they just turned it on. I mean, yeah, the, the old saying goes, the, the tall blokes don't get any shorter, and, and Norton proved that late. I think he got a little bit off the chain, but... Yeah, re- real oh, disappointment. He got some confidence taking marks against Liam Jones. Yeah, that that'll help. Oh, yeah. it's criminal. Weedering was outstanding, and then for whatever reason, Weedering's not down there, and suddenly he just gets a free run and jump at the ball, jukes it, goal. Yeah, and it's like, look, what's uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think Carlton can persist with Liam Jones at that football club. Geez, that's a fair whack. I mean, he's been, he's been pretty serviceable, but look, I mean, if no. you're talking your your next premiership team, you, I mean, there's probably oh, I've I've spoken. I'm to talking about this and then week, there's about round 10. nine. Oh, you reckon drop him? He's useless. That doesn't can't, serve a role for them or add anything. You don't reckon? Can't defend a blade of grass, and with Doherty and Sard and and the rest of them, you you can't just let Weedering do everything. Yeah, well, I mean, that is what's happening at the moment, basically. So, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about the Bombers conceding scores. I mean, the Blues are guilty of that too. And I think T came out during the week and said that he wanted to shoot out. Well, he, yeah, he probably should have thought a bit more about yeah, that well, with the uh, the back line he's got. But And the dogs that Eddie had, you don't want to shoot out there. Yeah, exactly. So, and look, yeah, Bulldogs, it's a pass. I know that there was a comeback, but they did what they had to do for, for well, you know, top two side fail for the Blues almost at the coordinate given they let that one slip you these are the games you know when you're talking about jumping up into the top eight if you've got a team like the dogs on the ropes like this you finish the job so look not quite at the coordinator but it's a fail for sure yeah definitely um I I look it's a fail overall the Blues did a hell of a lot of so many they did a lot yeah they yeah that's that's and then Look, was it coaching? They lost... Would they lose 15 centre clearances in a row or something along those lines? Yeah, it was... Certainly double figures. And that just... They had no momentum. Um, you got to remember, the Dogs don't really have a ruckman at the moment. uh, And they still managed to to flex. Uh, I've rated the Dogs, and I'm going to give them a distinction. Um, They were really challenged and just did what a good side does and just get a run on and, and just bury the Blues. If they were on from the start, that would have been 10... 12 goal loss uh, Carlton's a fail I don't know Should, do you pass Carlton that's what we've come to expect from them isn't it well I mean yeah it, it was something I mean it did shock us what the, what happened but uh, yeah you, you, you had them on toast you've got to take but... those they're the ones I mean yeah we, we talked about just knowing how to win and learning how to win I mean I'll give them a pat on the back Geelong have been doing it for 10 years they just know how to win games like, uh, I know that sounds incredibly basic, but they just seem to get the job done even when they're challenged. I know, look, they don't always win their close ones, but they just know how to get the W. Have a look at them now. They haven't been flying, as we say, but they're still you know, pushing the top four. So that's sort of where Carlton falls down. They're almost the opposite. They know, they know how to lose. Yeah. They get a little comfortable with that. So, um, yeah, it's a fail for me for the Blues. A little clip on the way through. Uh, last game of the round... <laughs> Two of my favourite teams to watch. Brisbane played Frio, which obviously got moved from Perth up to the Gabba. Uh, how'd you see this, Tom? Yeah, well, geez, the Lions just put the foot down on this one. If you just looked at the score, you'd be like, oh, geez, it was some sort of arm wrestle. But Frio really padded the stat sheet in junk time. Uh, no offence to your boys there, Seb. Um, no, it was a the... nice, uh, nice backdoor cover for you, Tom. They just didn't get yeah I know why yeah I think it was 20 
just got the other side of the line in the dying stages. Just just snuck it home for me. I, I was uh, impressed with the Lions in that they they finally... I mean, he hasn't exploded this year. And, I mean, he could have even more in this game. Charlie Cameron, he kicked three goals, five. He, he really probably should have kicked six. Um, but uh, he's just finding his way, you know, with the big tools. You know, you've got Danaher, Hipwood, just finding his way down there. Um, and and if he can get in some of that All-Australian form we've seen from him, then, then Brisbane are back. I mean, they already were back, but... You know, they're winning here, I guess, at home, you could say. But, you know, without their Brownlow medalist, McCluggage has just stepped up. Um, you know, that's a sign of a good side when you can sort of cover depth of that quality. Um, look, yeah, Frio, yeah, 24 points. It, it doesn't look that ugly, but, I mean, they weren't really in this game. At, at I mean, yeah, it was sort of... I'm, look, I'm looking at the scores them. and Absolutely the margin did fly to them, yeah. I mean, and it, it look... I mean, I guess you give them some credit for straightening it up because it could have got real ugly, uh, particularly midway through that third quarter. Um, but, yeah, I, look, I feel harsh, but I am going to fail Freo for that. Um, Brisbane get a pass. They did what they had to do, got the four points and continue winning. But, yeah, fra- pass for Brizzy, fail for Freo, and I'm interested in your take. Oh, no, I read it the same way as you do. Uh, the only thing I'd mention is the longest road trip in football, so yeah, cut no, Freo no. some slack. But... <laughs> You know, the the whole game was pretty non-competitive and the margin sort of suggests it might have been, but uh, they'll live to fight another day for you. The return match will be over there in at Optus Stadium and I expect to see a better showing then. So a few, few grades handed out. Tom, if we, um, we should probably review this at some stage and just work out, maybe we'll do a mid-season review. Yeah, you know, I reckon, I'm uh, I reckon if North were getting this many, if this these were your grades at uni you'd be asked to leave the uni. So I reckon North might be looking for a transfer mid-season. Uh, but oh, we'll just review who's, who's had the best semester. I like that. Yeah, good good, uh, good call there. We'll, we'll do that. Maybe uh, yeah, after round 11, halfway through the year, we'll, uh, we'll run the stat sheet over who's done what. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be really interested on that take. And I think uh, the Saints might be asking for a transfer given that early season they were in the office a fair bit. Let's get into the rapid-fire questions, mate. I know you've got a few. I've got a few as well. I'm, I, I love this segment. This is bouncy. This is sharp. What have you got for me this week? Oh, I get to kick it off. Yeah, kick, rare invite to kick it off. Uh, did West Coast shed the flat-track bully tag with their win on Sunday? No. Now, I know they did win away, and that leads to it, but, look, they didn't beat a whole lot. Um it, that, that, that's what it comes down to. I guess you can't be a flat track bully on away turf, but it, it had that vibe about it. It was just a bigger, stronger, better side, and they did what they had to do. So, no, nah, the, the tag's not off until they beat a, a really decent team on the road for me. Yep. So do you know what their record at the MCG is over the last eight games? Well, they've beaten the Pies there a couple of times, so it might it might be... Six and two. Six and two. Oh, I was going to say healthy. That's more than healthy. That's actually pretty impressive. Yeah. So I think I've got I've got a correspondent working on this for, for an episode coming up, but I think you actually find West Coast are the biggest flat... Not West Coast. Richmond are the biggest flat track bullies in the AFL because they get uh, given all their games yeah, they got the a lot of MCG. Games. You, and which um, you forget about given, yeah... So many doesn't get talked about because they'll that's right. play another side like an Essendon there, but that's where they get a hell of a lot of games. West Coast are missing Shannon Hearn, captain, 
Liam Duggan, next captain. Uh, obviously, Oscar Allen's the next captain after that playing. Uh, Kennedy's now hurt. McGovern missed. Liam Ryan's out. Willie Rioli's out and probably not coming back he anytime ain't coming soon. Back. <laughs> uh, Shuey was out. Yo's out. They're missing so many quality players and they turned up and still destroyed the bottom side on the road traveling. So I think yeah, we're, we're, it's we're making, just forgetting oh. that they're missing so many. Uh, and I... I know I really pushed the flat track bully narrative a few weeks ago. Uh, I think we've got to give some time and some light on the the fact they've had so many injuries. Yeah, no, look, great. That's a great point. And and six and two. That I mean, yeah, I knew they'd had a few good wins over here at the G, but six and two is fantastic. And now all of a sudden, it makes a whole heap of sense that a certain cousin of yours keeps trekking over to Victoria, knowing. That they might was, uh, get a win. He was there on Sunday. Oh, I was going to say, Sunday. make sure you get to the G, and he's he's finally seen a win. Um, that's that's good for for your cousin there. I've got another one that actually will involve cousins of yours as well. But I, this is just a straight who finishes higher this year on the ladder. So the twenty twenty one season. So I had pies or dons. So who's finishing higher? You're that- saying pies. Oh, no, I just knew once you said that it was going to be Essendon involved, so I thought I'd uh, show so my bias. I'm bringing this one up because Collingwood and Essendon have the same record, but the amount of heat directed at Collingwood versus the amount of heat directed at the Bombers is just apples and oranges. So, obviously, yeah, the the Bombers, with their narrative of being a young side, are running a new coach, and, and, you know, Bucks are sort of on the other side with his 10 years there with a side that's been up and now they're coming back down. So the different narratives, and I get that side of it, but, um, I mean, they're on the same win-loss record when it comes to the end of the day. So who's you'd finishing You'd have to high? say, you'd ha- look, the, the Bombers and just... The Bombers will start favourites in three of their next five games. Collingwood won't start favourites in any of them. So... The, the Bombers are favourites against Frio. That's over here, but look, it'll be a good game. They'll start favourites against us, and they'll start favourites against Hawthorne in five weeks. They've got West yep. Coast and Richmond in there. Collingwood play Sydney, loss. Port Adelaide, yep. loss. Geelong, loss. Adelaide in Adelaide, probably a loss. Melbourne, loss. So yeah, that... even if, like, you look at these teams, there's not going to be many chances for wins. And Essendon have got three pretty good ones over the next month. Uh, I don't see where Collingwood are going to find them. Uh, obviously, from that Queen's birthday clash, they go to a bye. Then they've got they've got Frio. Essendon have got Melbourne. Collingwood played the Saints. Essendon played Geelong. It'll even out, but I think Essendon played the better footy over the first eight weeks of the year. So that's what they are. They're a little bit better than Collingwood at the moment and, and I expect them to perform a little bit better. Yeah, look, that that's well, a fair that statement. Hurts. I guess, yeah, it, it, it depends what Collingwood we get. Um, I think, you know, a pot of Collingwood's list, if they can get some of their senior players back, I think their top end is better than Essendon's top end, but it does appear... Um, yeah, the Essendon kids are way ahead of the Collingwood kids. So, yeah, look, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We do have fans from both of those uh, sides. Um, but, but, yeah, that that's one to uh, keep a tab on for the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, the AFL's heard. They've heard the people. Thursday night teams are back. Are you excited? I am, but 
I'm a little disappointed that I have to wait till round 10 to uh, to get the Thursday night team. So I'm not sure if there were logistics at play or they just had set it up a certain way. But a little, I mean, if they're going to do it, let's just get back to it. I, I'm not sure about the delay, but look, don't want to sound like I'm complaining. A great tradition, an underrated tradition uh, that links the game with the grassroots is back and we're going to enjoy it. And for those struggling with their super coach teams, it's a breath of fresh air for you. I know that's not you and me, Seb. We usually are flying and that's the case again this year. But uh, yeah, and, and for the tipsters, um, yeah, I think it's a great result. Um, but yeah, wait, let's let's wait till round 10. So you're telling me it's not round nine. We name our teams whenever we want this weekend. It's next week. Correct. Oh, the <laughs> AFL cannot get anything right. That is just, it's one of the silliest things I've ever heard. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I, that line stung me. I, I was like, well, if you're going to do it, why are we... <laughs> they, yeah. they gauge the, the feel of the industry, as they often do, and then, yeah, they're just going to make us wait a week. So, Yeah, look, the fans have been clamouring for it from what I'm hearing. Uh, as I said before, I didn't care then and I don't care now. Um, but if that's if that's what people prefer, let's do it. Uh, let's just wait a week just in case. Um Got to tick something off or something like that. I don't know what uh, it is, but it's the AFL. Uh, unbelievable! I've got one for you. So look, I'm not, we're not touching the uh, the Bolton and and uh, Rioli incident. I want to go to something Rioli did that was great for him and and not his wrist. Um, Daniel, not Willie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Daniel. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, was there uh, on Friday and. Shea Bolton has climbed on the back of Blixav's head, taken mark of the year leader easily. It looked even better than it did at the ground, and I, I was like, I can't wait to watch a replay of this. You know, BT and JB in the commentary box. This is going to be a great piece of commentary, and it was as vanilla as I've heard. The moment versus the commentary was a disgrace. You want, when you get those... I mean, they're the poster of our game that's what you sell overseas that's what goes on you know fans walls that that kind of high-flying stuff you know it should be a replay i mean if it's a famous bit of commentary it's part of footy folklore as we've seen um i just wanted you to i just wanted to actually get your opinion because not everyone likes them this way but do you prefer the bt and jb on channel 7 with their a little bit more vanilla delivery or do you prefer their loud yelly screamy bravado triple m style Oh, they're fantastic on Triple M. They're fantastic on Triple M. They, I don't know where it comes from. Obviously, Channel Seven must have a directive, but they they are watered down a little bit on Seven. Uh, I'm a bit over Brian and his need to pick on things and explain and carry on. Uh, like I said earlier, Jason Bennett was a breath of fresh air on the Sunday afternoon yeah. game. He just calls it as he sees it, gives you a bit of knowledge about the players, but doesn't jump in and try and take over, whereas Friday night's a me, me, me. Uh, but I love my man, Jimmy Brayshaw. Happy 45th birthday it is today, Tuesday, at the time of this recording. Uh, he is he is a star. He'll, he'll, he's got out of his Triple M duties for the grand final this year, so he'll be calling that uh, for seven. And look, I didn't, I couldn't tell you what the commentator said. I was just in awe at the, the mark. Um, yeah, 
the I added the saying, oh, he's he's grabbed the car there, even though I don't know. I don't think they get yeah, much that's got to come back. The, the car's oh, definitely gone, but it, oh, it, oh, the car's got to come back, or the expression's got to go because it just everyone says it, and then it's not. It used to be the Toyota mark of the year, didn't it? I don't know. Yeah, that's right. You want yourself now, a, a Camry or something. But yeah, look, they might bring that one back to AFL, but they'll do it next year, given their form on issues. Um, yeah, look, I, I listen to them on both forms, radio and TV. I understand, you know, Channel 7, they've got to sell to a bit more of a wider audience than they do on Triple M, which is sort of more of your... Uh, well, on the way to footy, tradie sort footy of nuts. talk. Yeah, footy nuts. So, But, I mean, I'd like them to just get a little bit more uh, rambunctious, particularly with those those big moments. I think, yeah, sort of watching a few of the highlights back of that game and BT getting excited coming off half-back. It's about the big grabs and the big goals. So they got to seize the moment there uh, in those for those instances. Yep, yep. There's... Uh... It's a tough call because you got to call it in the moment. But yeah, uh, I take your point. I'm, I'm sure you're, you're a big fan of the Triple M call of the uh, 2008 Grand Final. With That's the, one of the, the great clips. Slipper. And we're, we're uh, happy to uh, commentate if they don't want them to. By the way, AFL and Channel Seven. If you're listening, just a little plug there. Oh, my word, my word, we are. Uh, who's your premiership favourite? Eight rounds in. Oh, great question. Gut feel off the top. I still like. Oh no, I was about to say Port Adelaide. Um, I, I'm weighing it up. I, look, this might sound harsh to these fans. I'm just still waiting. I, I just, I know you're there and you're winning, and you know you're not, do, you're not putting many feet wrong and getting, you know, eight straight. We still got to wait till we get to September and we're playing in that footy and see what state you're in. So don't fully uh, trust the D's. Don't fully trust so the dogs either. Um, I know who's it's been your premiership favourite. Uh, Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide. So Port, process of elimination. You, you, power yeah so richmond no they can still win it but they're not favorite no that's fair that's fair uh two-part question are you ready to admit you were wrong about geelong i've actually got the barber on standby ready <laughs> when you're uh, ready never to admit. Uh, don't know if i agree to that one uh, the look, fans want it let me tell you are you yeah i bet they do um are you saying they're your premiership favorite yep my word they are as you've you've set a precedent in that you've dug in with your simple Simon, so I might dig in on Geelong. We're at, we are at round eight. Um, look, they're they're absolutely flying. They uh, play a good side this week though, so we'll see how they go there. But um, look, they're ticking all the right boxes. They got the big three recruits, and they played unbelievably. So yeah, the, I mean they're I guess time in their run. They they just chalk up wins as we spoke about. So look, they'll be there with the whips are cracking. They might be a little right. higher than seventh, so yeah. Look, we'll, I'll, uh, I'll we'll wear that one. We'll revisit this. We'll revisit. Yeah, we'll this revisit at some it. Stage. Good, good call. Um, I've got a, t- a two-part one for you, and it's back on the hawk. So we call Clarko the deflector. Yes. So I want you to just answer this for me. So it, I feel right now that he is sitting behind his four premiership cups and currently using them as a deflection, given the quality he's done in the past they're a deflection for him from any criticism as we speak the Hawks have been let off the chain they're mediocre and they're irrelevant do you think that's the case? Yes although I think it's a valid enough reason to not cop the criticism Yes. Yeah, so, so you're happy for him to sit, sit back there 
You don't think yep. he should be up for some heat. Yeah, you're happy right now to give him a, a, a bit of a let off. Yeah, no, I'd give him two, three, maybe four years. Uh, how many coaches in the AFL year have won four flags? Oh, yeah, it, extraordinarily rare. Look, he, he's a Hall of Famer, you know, maybe even higher than that. But, yeah, he's an all-time great at least. So, yeah, look, I'd, I'd be happy to give him years. I mean, yeah, it's how long he can sit behind them. I mean, he might always be able to sit behind them, but I guess, I, I yeah, you look at sort of Yoshidi and Malthouse and it does reach a point. But, I mean, you, you're talking about games record holders there. So it's, it's really on Clark. I guess he's going to sit in that job as long as he wants and he'll probably sit behind the cups as long as he wants. So he ain't, he ain't budging. The second part of that question I've got for you, though, is do you think the Hawks right now are the team that's the furthest from a flag? Oh, that's a tough one. There's a few of us a fair way away. <laughs> uh, I would... I, I, no, I'd say no. Okay. You'd have to say... You talk about far from a flag. Hawthorne have a proven coach, and that can be a big difference maker. We don't know if Essendon have got the coach right. We don't know if North have got the coach right. We expect Collingwood to go and get a new coach. We don't know if they've got the coach right, if they select the new coach. We don't know if Stuart Dew's the right coach for the Suns. I, I like There are question marks over all four of those. Uh, I question, the side on top of the ladder, I have a question mark over their coach. So yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not mounting an right. argument that Hawthorne are closer to a flag than Melbourne. I'm just saying the coach is critically important and Hawthorne have that. And they have the runs on the board to be able to produce kids and, and get them into a point. Um, it will depend on how well they can draft because obviously a big part of that grand final side was drafting uh, Hodge, Roughhead, Lewis, Franklin. Yeah. And even Mitchell coming through. So where are those players coming from? That's the big question for them. But uh, I couldn't say that. I'd, you'd have to say north or further from a flag. We're just sitting at the bottom with less experience on our list, maybe we're a year ahead in that phase, but that's like you can turn that around really quickly, especially with good off-field coaching. Yeah, that's right. I feel when you you ask that question, and you know I've seen it elsewhere, uh, it, you immediately think of oh how young's the team, or, or yeah who are the players on the list. You don't consider what's around and what's set up and the potential culture of a joint. So yeah, look. They're not close to the Hawks. Let's just put that on the record, but uh, maybe not the furthest. I guess, yeah. I mean, look. Oh, they're way down the list. I'm just, maybe I'm being too objective or too trying to talk my way around it. But uh, I just think with Clarko, you don't put them at the bottom of anything. Yeah, that. Nah, fair. I like that. Uh, now, given we just talked the Hawks, we've talked a lot of ruse. Uh, let's just jump into a mailbag. We've got yeah, one question it. here from uh, from Ned. Uh, it doesn't say whether he's from Hampton or Black Rock, but I believe he's moved in the not-too-recent future, <laughs> this, uh, not-too-recent past. Uh, Seven, Tom, wanted to get your thoughts on this week's game of the round, Hawthorne versus North, and what the mighty Roos need to do to get their first win of the year. Do the Roos have anyone to send to Mitchell, as he seems to be the Hawks' only bright spot? P.S. would prefer Tom to answer first and stay off the fence. Oh, geez, I uh, was getting comfy. I was about to get a few splinters. Now, look, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. I, I wouldn't mind seeing an old-fashioned head-to-head battle between Mitchell and Cunnington. I feel like that would actually be ideal for the Ruse because 
you know, he can find his own ball, but he's a known stopper as well. So that could be an ideal matchup for the Ruse. Um, they need to just get... I mean, yeah, you sort of lose um, Stevenson, the leading goal kicker. It's the forward line for me. I, I think I'm waiting for Nick Larkey to absolutely explode. Yes, there's delivery issues, but yeah, if he can get hold of a young Hawks back line, and it is young back there, um, it could just give him the confidence boost he needs to get into the rest of the year. Um, I mean, yeah, this this is the battle of Tassie, so there's a lot... I mean, it's a potential rivalry game. You, you know, you, these two teams don't like each other. You've got history going back to the 70s. Um, it, it, it's massive for the Ruse. I know we've grilled them this podcast, and you've done well, Seb, but this is your chance for a win. Um, you know, the Hawks, even when the Hawks are winning, you know, they beat Essendon by a point and they beat Adelaide by three. So they're just not smashing teams. So you've shown that you can go down to Tassie and, and perform. Yes, I know it's not at Hobart, but you can still jump on that plane and, and travel okay based on what we've seen this year. So I'm expecting a big one from you. And I actually, yeah, we'll speak about it uh, in our tipping, but uh, I think the ruse might be a, a one to back in there. What do you reckon? Yeah, so uh, in terms of sending someone to Mitchell, Trent Dumont, send him in, bring him in. He's ready. He's had a couple of games. He's back this week, isn't he? I think he is. Um, Well, I don't think we've got too many other options uh, in terms of uh, on the list. Uh, But send him to Mitchell and just... Ned's right. He's the engine room for Hawthorne. Similar to Cunnington. If Cunnington gets on top of Mitchell in terms of winning the clearances, we'll we'll have a day out. Uh, It's going to come down to our senior players carrying some of the youngsters, but... Maybe some of our forwards can just hold their spots. Zerha started to find some form late in that game against Collingwood. Uh, um, can I give look, you a shout-out for being good and not mentioning that awful, awful deliberate decision against Zerha, by the way? That goes... I know we put it on the socials, but that was probably the worst decision we've seen this year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it shows you a lot of the umpires have no feel for the game. Although, actually, um, there was one the following day with the Bont that was pretty bad too, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they've got no feel for the game. Uh, look, this is a whole other podcast, but bring in the <laughs> last touch rule. It just makes so much yeah. more sense than, than trying to see if that's deliberate. Uh, well, look, to be honest, Ned, I'll break it down for you in gambling terms. We need a bit of luck and some things to go our way to win this game. And that's how that's the only way we're going to win it all this year. Uh, so, and if I'm being honest, I'd rather have no luck this week and a lot more luck the following week. 4.40 at Marvel when we knock off the Bombers. <laughs> I like that. that. That's a huge clash. But look, yeah, massive chance for the Ruse this week. Thanks to Ned with the mailbag. We want more of those. We love the mailbag, so keep them coming. Yeah, no, we love the feedback. We had good good feedback on the polls uh, on Instagram. We just love hearing from the fans. We've got our own thoughts, but uh, you may have noticed we do like our own teams a lot and have a lot of expert knowledge there. But uh, look, I think that's it, Tom. We've covered everything we needed to today. Uh, thank you for listening. We really appreciate the support. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a f- friend. That's how we, we want to get some growth. We want to start getting our great message out to the world uh, rather than just having your standard your toe the line company men of SEN and Channel 7 or your shock jocks like uh, Kane Corns of Volcano uh, so please share it with your friend, leave a review on iTunes or Spotify, Any anything like that is greatly appreciated. Have you got any final words for the viewers, Tom? No, that's beautiful beautifully said, uh, yeah we, we want your feedback, we're, we're happy to answer it, comment on it put it on the show, we'll do it all we 
of our uh, listeners, viewers. Um, looking forward to a big round of footy.